0: Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 389th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222. Or go to Iwanttogarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's garden to 44222 or Iwanttogarden.com. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is healing the forgotten children through opportunities in the garden. We're talking with Dawn Folsom about village farming. Dawn is a former foster kid who chose to be a catalyst of change for young people aging out of the foster care system. She became an advocate and mentor 13 years ago and has a passion to help people heal through village farming. Having studied horticulture for 19 years, she has become an advocate for local food access. She is the co-founder of Heart Vines Educational Farm, an extension of the nonprofit The Village, Easing Childhood Poverty. They are a group of people dedicated to creating positive change for young people through village farming. Heart Vines promotes that the garden is the best place to talk about life through intensive agriculture techniques, collaborative partnerships, and adding inspiration to our spaces. They are creating an opportunity for young people to learn about food access, civil engagement, entrepreneurship, and skills. Welcome to the show today, Dawn. Are you ready to rock village farming? Yes. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: I started taking village farming... Seriously, when I aged out of foster care, as a mentor and working with my brothers and sisters that were still in the system, I wanted to create something that would inspire them that had a lasting impact. And that's where I came to learn about urban farming, intensive agriculture techniques, as well as showing kids in the system that you can be empowered regardless of whatever situation you're in. It is only temporary and it is in your power to create change that you need.
0: Wow. So... Let's kind of track back. What got you interested in horticulture?
1: Well, funny story. When I was in seventh grade, I had gotten in trouble. I was a troubled kid growing up, and I went to a school that taught horticulture. So instead of getting suspended or expelled, we got to go out on the farm. And that year, I grew 87 pepper plants. Wow. We had a watermelon field, and I got my first blue ribbon on my ficus plant. And there was something that just really connected with me. And I found feeling through that program.
0: So let me get this straight. If you acted up, they sent you out to the farm to work. Yes. Was there a lot of kids acting up so they could go work on the farm?
1: There's at least 30 or 40 of us, you know?
0: (laughs) And here's my other question for you. Did you purposely act up so you could go work on the farm?
1: Sometimes. I hated math class. (laughs)
0: Wow. So, taking me back to those first times you were out on the farm, and what was that like for you getting your hands dirty and growing 87 pepper plants?
1: It was exciting. The whole experience taking seeds and watching them come to life, and then seeing the fruit that, you know, I was able to grow for myself, something really reached inside of me. I had experienced a lot of adversity growing up, and there was environmental situations that had propelled me into being in trouble. Mm -hmm. I stuck with the horticulture and gardening and wherever I went, that was the thing that I did.
0: Wow. And how many years ago was that?
1: Gosh, it's been almost 20 years now.
0: Wow. And you've been involved in growing food the whole time?
1: Yes. When I was 24, me and my daughter went cross country to learn about all-terrain farming from Texas all the way to upstate New York. Just to give me universal scope, no matter what environment we're in or terrain, I would know what to do.
0: So what inspired you to go on the road?
1: What propelled me to go on the road was to give my daughter an opportunity to go out and explore. I want her to have the confidence to be able to go anywhere and utilize what I've been teaching her. So being able to go cross-country that year and assisting other areas that gave us both opportunities to build and create. Wow. Yeah, it's just something different. I was born and raised in Florida. I did grow up my adolescence in Indiana. Mm -hmm. There's a whole world to explore. And I just wanted to see different things that different people were doing that had good advice and good information.
0: Cool. And you ended up back in Indiana? Yes. Then what happened? How did you get from not being involved with Heart Vines to being involved with Heart Vines Educational Farm?
1: We had a five-year trial and error run of different prototypes and projects that we kept failing forward, so to speak.
0: Did you say failing forward? Yes,
1: sir. (laughs)
0: Oh, I love that. Tell me about that.
1: Failure is not an option in my mind. Failure is an opportunity to learn. And through my trial and error and just getting hands-on and not giving up propelled us into Heart Finds and what we are today.
2: Mm -hmm. This
1: is our seventh development in the last five years, and I wanted something that was going to authentically address the roots of poverty and give these children an authentic opportunity to learn and grow. We've built urban farms in bigger cities. We've done rural development in smaller areas and towns. And now being able to put together the Village Farm and the Sensory Garden, and we're building our Discovery Farm, it's been amazing. Giving people the opportunity to have that visual as well has really helped our vision and mission.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So you've been responsible for starting several of these farms. Tell me about them.
1: Well, our first initiative was the uh, Supportive Housing Project. That was a space dedicated to young people coming out of the system or facing homelessness Mm -hmm. to have a home and services to provide self-sufficiency. We were able to advocate and get a quarter-acre space designated for an urban farm. That ended up being a great learning experience for everybody and helped some of our young people develop their own food. That happened four years ago, and it's still in production. We also built a rendition of a fire station that turned into a commercial kitchen as well as another urban farm targeting a lower demographic area. Uh And that was open to the community and young entrepreneurs who couldn't afford to build their own commercial kitchen, Mm -hmm. but had the opportunity to take the farm to fork process and utilize it. Uh This year... In the last four months, myself, my partner, and my better half have worked hard to build the village farm in partnership with our public library. Oh, wow. And that's been an exciting partnership Garrett Public Library has been very supportive and receptive to this idea. We are in small town Midwest America, and a lot of theories and techniques that I use is alien to our community. Mm -hmm. So being able to build this and put it on display has created a better rapport with our community, as well as giving these kids and elderly. I've seen a lot of people out there, you know, picking and looking around that chance to enjoy something.
0: Yeah. So I want you to think back over the past four or five or six or seven years, however long you've been doing this. And there's got to be one time that just brought you to your knees, moved you. It was like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You got one of those? I do. Tell me
1: let's see it was actually last year we had all decided as a group that we were going to embark to arkansas and we're going to build an eco village and this was something that was going to correspond with our partner micah in regards to giving children a living place as well as building a production farm that would sustain our eco village unfortunately things had not panned out and we lost everything and i remember coming home and i was devastated and I met a couple kids. They were hungry. They had no resources available to find food. Mm-hmm. And it propelled me back into action to where this is my heart's calling. And the contact we had made out in Arkansas with Micah, I fired that back up with her. I was like, I know we're not in your area, but if we partner up together, maybe we can build a prototype that can create a national movement. And now we have the blueprint for success for the village. Mm -hmm. And we are expanding into Ohio, Hawaii, as well as Arkansas now, just this year.
0: Yeah. Are you going to get to go to Hawaii this year?
1: Yes. One of our other foster youth advocates was gifted 40 acres. She's never farmed a day in her life, but her passion and drive is humbling.
0: (laughs) You have 40 acres that have been gifted to your organization in Hawaii?
1: Not to our organization. We are building a partnership with others who want to do what we're doing. Wow. So instead of having them go through the struggles and reinventing a wheel that we've already made, we're just providing that resource and that information, the blueprints and how to grow in successional farming, as well as getting more support in your local area.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you, there's a huge, huge value in that. You know, I'm a project starter. I get things going. And it takes an extreme amount of energy to get the infrastructure in place to get a project going like that. So that's a huge gift. Congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. I couldn't have done any of this without the support from my family. Yep. And, you know, my better half, Cody, my partner, Josh, and our CEO, Micah. It's been humbling to see everybody coming together to create this real resolution. Yeah, this isn't something that's superficial, or part of a management system. And I feel strongly about children not being exploited anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Plus, if we can get the seeds planted early, pun intended, for young people to know how to feed themselves by growing their own food, that is a game changer as far as I'm concerned.
1: I agree. I've always liked the motto, you know, you can teach a man how to fish and feed him for the day. Mm-hmm. But if you show them how to fish, you're going to feed them for life. And that's a practice that I've taken with me everywhere. In hindsight, I can't tell you how many children I've met and connected with. And they're coming back years later like, thank you, Don. (laughs) And that in itself, is I've done my job.
0: Exactly. So what is village farming? This is the first time I've seen this term.
1: We were using the term urban farming. However, on the precept that it does take a village... To raise children does take a village to provide support village farming is what we coined our practices this year my partner josh wiley who's like it's not urban farming don this is village farming because we're community we're providing more resources we're creating emotional support as well as those things that are missing in our village mm-hmm. being able to go to your neighbor and be like hey i need a cup of sugar it's not like it used to be and i think those values and Openness needs to be reestablished.
0: Especially now.
1: Yes. We have a lot of elderly here in our community who use have gardens, but they can't do it anymore. So, the designs that we build on our beds, as well as their practices, it makes it easier for them to come out and harvest themselves. Uh-huh. And for our kids, you know, it's not us pushing, hey, you got to be a farmer if you want to be an entrepreneur. We're telling them, hey, this is an option to create stability to pursue your dreams. So far this year, we've impacted 76 participants, ages 2 through 18. We've served 75 families and we're just getting started.
0: Nice. So tell me about your Discovery Farm.
1: Oh, the Discovery Farm is going to be an amazing adventure. This space is going to be a botanical farm as well as a space for restaurant development. We have One local restaurant owner who has amazing selection of food and another friend of mine who's an executive chef. So this model will be able to be self-sufficient while allowing people from all over the world to come out and develop what their inventions or ideas are. Mm -hmm. Throughout the week, we are offering day programs for life skills classes as well as therapeutic outreach for those who may be differently abled or experiencing addiction. A part of my path and why I chose to do this as well is, you know, I've seen what happens when you live in poverty, and the outcome is not good. Yeah. So the Discovery Farm is a space where people can get hands-on and become exploratory in what they're passionate about or even just getting information and getting out there and doing something. Yeah. I'm not big on pharmaceuticals. I'm not an advocate when it comes to our broken systems, and I think medicine from plants is very important to learn about, and I think it needs to be something that's more accessible locally. Yeah. You know, we have four national distributors that sell medicinal herbs just in America. That's it. Oh, wow. So if I can create this botanical farm, then we would have something here in the heartland. Wow. Not if, when.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you have something you'd like to ask our listeners to do?
1: Anybody who's willing to donate plants, I have a list of 65 medicinal varieties that we're looking for. We are seeking donations as well as support while we're developing. We are going to be in two counties by 2019 locally, and we want to be able to build the discovery farm model that would be accessible to anybody who's interested in developing in their state as well. All hope is appreciated.
0: So reach out to you. Where do they reach out to you at? You
1: can contact me via email. It is dfheartvines at gmail.com. Feel free to add us on Facebook, Heartvine's Educational Farm.
0: Perfect. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it.
1: Go back to the Arkansas experience. <laughs> that was a pivotal moment where me, my partner, and my better house, Gertie, we took all our savings, and we went to go buy property. And in turn, I had contacted Micah, and was like, hey, why don't you come check out this land that we're looking to purchase? Let's collaborate. And the deal went through. We had lost everything. We came back to Indiana. I became very emotionally distraught, and I didn't think that I could do this. Mm -hmm. And then one of my mentors got a hold of me, and she's like, Don, why don't you start a botanical farm? And I'm like, how do I go about doing this? And then I realized, here's this young lady, Micah, 25 years old, started her own not-for-profit three years ago. And the impact that she's made in Northwest Arkansas is profound. So I call her back up. And I'm like, Micah, we met for a reason. Let me offer this to you. So we took our minds, put them together, and I started doing grant writing with her, building consulting and farming techniques. For her in Northwest Arkansas. And in return, she became our fiscal sponsor. Oh, nice. And we became an extension of her. So Arkansas taught me a lot. And I feel like we created an investment that, you know, the partnership, I couldn't expect anything less.
0: You said a word fiscal sponsorship. Can you just say a little bit about what that is? Just a definition so that our listeners know.
1: A fiscal sponsorship is somebody who is a not-for-profit that will take your idea or project entity, and under their status, you would be able to apply for grants and other opportunities to promote your program and establish it.
0: Perfect. So what do you consider your biggest success?
1: This year has been our biggest success, by Being able to get the village farm set up. In partnership with the library, getting the city to back us up and being supportive, as well as reaching the kids that we have been teaching. It's all the way around what I've been envisioning for the last decade. And with the Discovery Farm on the rise, I hope that we have more successes as we move forward.
0: Perfect. So what drives you?
1: My sense of duty my brothers and sisters, those who are still suffering, who are displaced, who are marginalized, who are still being exploited. I want them to know, I don't care where you're at or what you're doing, but if you need help and you're willing to create those changes for yourself, we have the space available to help you. We have the tools that are here if you're ready.
0: So you're working with young people that have aged out of the foster care system. That means they've turned 18 and essentially, it's my understanding, they get kicked out of the system and have to go survive on their own, correct?
1: Pretty much. There is a federal legislation. One of our advocates, Lisa Dixon, is getting passed, which will help promote housing for children after they come out of foster care. But that's still something that's not put into place. Very real.
0: What do those students do and how do you help them? Do you help them with housing? Tell me about that process.
1: We help them with finding housing if they're just displaced. We help them find food. We help them find shelter or clothes, job interviews, whatever we can. Locally here, we're doing more of like an intervention program since we're dealing with some younger people, and it's just getting them out of that negative state of mind and giving them that opportunity to provide for themselves through the village farm. Micah, she is literally out there in the neighborhood saving these kids. And most of these children that she's working with, you know, she's involved with their education. She's involved with their adult planning when they're coming out. There are disparities when it comes to children in the system and being warehoused, Mm -hmm. which is a very real thing. And it's disturbing how these organizations have privatized these facilities to profit off these children. And with our powers combined, we are doing everything possible to create resources and opportunities for them. You know, the ones that fall through the cracks, that's going to happen. But letting them understand this is a human experience. Be kind to yourself in this process and don't give up when you feel like you've messed up.
0: Is there one young person out there that just strikes your heart as like, wow, that was a great success?
1: I do. I have. He was like my little brother. I met him when he was 15. He's 25 now. And, you know... He had gone through some dark times and had been coping with addiction. And looking at him now, you know he's sobered up. He's got his life together, and he's passionate about helping others now. Mm-hmm. You know that's again that's where I understand I'm. I'm in the right place, and I'm doing the work that I need to be doing. By seeing where these kids come from and them seeing where I've come from, I've experienced being homeless. I can't tell you how many times I was caught for stealing food when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real thing. So taking that approach and allowing people to understand that we're human. Yeah. And if we've worked together, we can create beautiful changes that don't just benefit ourselves, but benefit our communities.
0: You know, when you said that you got caught stealing food, that just broke my heart.
1: It's devastating. You know, when you come to a point where you're living in your car, it's cold outside and you're hungry. Mm-hmm. There's a sandwich right there in the deli.
0: Yeah. Wow. There's just something totally wrong about that.
1: Yeah. And that's why the food advocacy, food access, the village farm has been great on this level because people are like, well, how much is it? I'm like, it's free. Their eyes just light up. They're like, what? This is amazing.
0: Well, Daniel Quinn in his book, Ishmael, actually in his series of books that he wrote, he talks about when we locked up the food, you know, thousands of years ago, when we started growing food and selling it rather than having it be there just to harvest. Things went sideways then. You know,
1: food, it's a universal human right. It's not something that you can put a price on. You know, when it comes to privatizing the conceptual property of seeds, Mm -hmm. how are you going to own, you know, a strain that is used to help people and keep them nourished? It doesn't make any sense to me. So part of our initiative is uh, we have a seed library, Seed Savers Exchange, Pollination Project, and Baker Creek heirloom seeds Mm -hmm. have been awesome supporters and that's how we were able to serve the families that we did this year. We had 286 varieties of heirloom non-GMO
0: seed that we were able to distribute. Cool. So we've been chatting for the past four or five minutes about what drives you in all of this and I can see a whole lot of passion in what you're doing. Can you boil it down for me?
1: My personal experience, adversity strengthens us and if I can help others not have to struggle as hard as I have, but I'm going to keep moving forward and doing that. And that's been my biggest instrument on teaching. I'm not a math teacher or a history teacher. I'm a life skills teacher. That's a skill that is invaluable in this life.
0: Huge, because we don't teach our young people, even our elders, we don't teach them life skills, which makes me crazy.
1: Right? I think if you keep an open mind and an open heart, anything's possible. And that's what I've always felt myself along this pathway. And that's what keeps me going.
0: Beautiful. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: Last Child in the Wood by Richard Louvre. And this is touching base on nature deficit disorder. Oh. It's not a psychological diagnosis, but it is a pandemic in our nation. Richard, he touches base on how, you know, the lack of interest in being outdoors and exploring is depleting our children not only emotionally and mentally, but physically yeah. and getting them reengaged with the outdoor environment promotes confidence. It promotes critical thinking. It allows them to go out there and you know, they may fall out of a tree. They may bruise or skin their knee, but they're kids and that's what they need to be doing. Yeah. Getting them off the phones, off the computers and back outdoors.
0: Amen to that. Yes. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Best advice I can give everybody is if your dreams don't scare you, dream bigger.
0: <laughs> if your dreams not scary, dream bigger.
1: If your dreams don't scare you, dream bigger.
0: Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Don.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: You bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? They
1: can email us. We are on Facebook as well, Heartbinds Educational Farm. If people would like to contact me personally, my number is 260-580-8102.
0: Perfect. You can find show notes for today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash heartvines. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast claiming your inner urban farmer is easy grow food share it and name your farm then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast pick up your urban farmer bling hats and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com
2: we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast remember to listen for tips advice and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.
0: Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right,